thank you for speaking to us again today, Butch Hartman. It's a pleasure to, to chat with you. Uh, artist extraordinaire, uh, you know, Nickelodeon, uh, uh, you know, staple, and now your own network executive. <laughs> well, well, you know, uh, well, it's very kind. First of all, thank you for all the kind words. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you know what? Um, doing all that fun stuff at Nickelodeon and other studios over the years definitely prepared me to start my own network for sure. So, uh, yeah, this is a it's definitely an eye opening experience. You had a very uh, a very fun one so far. And now the new network is called Noog, N-O-O-G. Well, there's the Noog, yeah, N-O-O-G, the Noog Network, and uh, that is an app I launched a few years ago, and uh, that's got a bunch of original toys. I shouldn't say, shouldn't say toys. Original uh, games and shows and things like that. And I've also launched another new network. Um, uh, it's, it, I shouldn't say I launched it, but I, I'm in the, in the process of launching it, and uh, we're in the middle of developing that right now. It's called OAxis, and that's going to be coming out hopefully uh, by the end of 2020. But uh, don't quote me on that just yet. <laughs> we're getting there. Well, hopefully it'll be ready by Christmas, and then you can launch then, and that'll be a big surprise for everybody. That'd be great. Yeah, that that's a tentative launch by all means. We're uh, definitely gearing up. It's a very big project to launch a major network. And so or I shouldn't say even shouldn't even say network. I should just say streaming service. It's a streaming service is what we're doing. So uh, I guess you can call it a network if you want. That's, you know, I grew up in a time when it was called a network. That's probably why I'm using that terminology. Well, we still call them albums and we still call them, you know, uh, tapes and whatever else. You know, I got to edit the tapes and Tapes don't there you exist go. anymore. So. <laughs> I know exactly. I guess it shows our age, doesn't it? It does. But you know what? We got to live in a time before social media where we could actually do dumb things as kids and there wasn't a public record of it. Like, oh, yeah. Thank goodness for that. I, I got to tell you, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that did. The, oh, man, there's so many things I would have regretted. Horror. I regret already, but thank I, don't, I can only regret them privately. That's nice. Right. And if somebody brings it up, there's possible deniability. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Now, Butch, you know, you were this Midwest kid from Michigan. You suffered all these blizzards in, in this winter. Did that help you be creative as an artist because you really couldn't go outside in the snow? It's funny as you, uh, it's funny that you asked that. That was actually a big motivating factor. You know, having having freezing cold weather all the time, you had to stay in to be warm, obviously. And I had two choices. I could watch TV or I could draw. Uh, and um, I, I I watched a lot of TV, but then I, the, the fun thing was I try imagined myself making my own TV and my own shows and things like that. So uh, that's kind of what motivated motivated me through life. I eventually left Michigan to uh, go to California and go to Cal Arts, uh, which was uh, the school founded by Walt Disney to become an animator. I'd always wanted to work for Disney, and to this day I've never worked for Disney. I've done uh, side projects a little bit here and there. Uh, almost worked for Disney, but I've never worked for them. That was my motivation coming out. But uh, yeah, to this day, still haven't been over there. But you've been Disney adjacent because wasn't your first job with Don Bluth? It was, yeah. Uh, it was one of my first uh, jobs. I was still in school when I uh, I got my first job as an in-betweener on um, um, American Tale, uh, the Steven Spielberg um, uh, animated feature from 1986. I got a job animating Fible the Mouse, and that was the boy. I thought it was one of the biggest thrills of my life getting a professional job while I was still in school. And from there, I just left school, and uh, it took me 10 years to pay back my student loans. So that was that was fun. But uh, I ended up just television. I started working in the TV industry instead of um, uh, the movie industry. But I love TV because instead of working on one story every four years. 
I got to do like, you know, four stories a week, which was a lot more fun for me. Well, that does sound like fun, but don't forget, you did have a stint on a reality TV show for a little while and on a soap opera. Yeah, well, um, the, uh, the, the, the soap opera was, uh, there was a couple of soap operas actually. I was a, uh, I was on Days of Our Lives and, uh, Young and the Restless and then a show called Generations. And so that was, that was kind of fun. The, I, I did a little, I definitely did a little bit of acting while I was out here in LA, uh, which actually prepared me to work with, uh, voice actors later on when I was doing, um, you know, all my animation. I know how to talk to actors, how to interact with them, what they went through and things like that. So yeah, that was a lot of, um, a lot very that was that was very interesting a lot of fun yeah well it seems like it would have been um i just recently spoke with uh, debbie Derryberry, which yes. is a huge mouthful and, yeah i know and the cross no, it's why debbie's debbie's very tiny but her name is very huge yes exactly <laughs> yeah i had to ask her i was like how did you get that as a twitter account i thought there was a limitation on how many characters you could have as your name yeah, no, <laughs> no, Debbie's great. She just was on my podcast. I have a podcast called Speech Bubble and uh, Debbie was on there. I interview a lot of animation uh, people and a lot of, I guess you would say, luminaries in the Hollywood animation world. And so Debbie came on. She was really cool. And she did the voice of Jimmy Neutron. We actually paired up. Uh, we did a fairly odd parents Jimmy Neutron crossover years ago called uh, the Jimmy Timmy Power Hour. And um, you know, we did uh, Timmy Turner meets Jimmy Neutron where Jimmy Neutron was a uh, 3D computer show and yeah. Timmy Turner, I'm fairly odd parents was a uh, 2D animated show. We crossed the characters over. We animated Timmy as a CG character, animated Jimmy as a 2D character. It was a lot of fun. And what was it like to finally see uh, Timmy as a, uh, as a CG character? Because, you know, when you, when you make that transition from 2D to 3D, there's got to be something that's either lost in translation or something that surprises you in the way they look in that, in that format. Uh, yeah, no, it was very interesting to see that. It, it was it was wild to, to watch the transformation. The biggest thing that happened was Timmy went from being a four fingered character in two D to being a five fingered character in in three D. So that was kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, it was a lot. It was it was really wild. It was really cool to see my flat characters thrown into a three D world, and they actually made it work really really well. Well, it was a fun episode, and you know, it's still fun to see the the reruns these days. You know, or people that binge watch on streaming services. Again, I'm showing my age uh, yeah. you know, to, to relive some of these cartoons and how they still hold up. Yeah, oh yeah. Well, that's cool. I'm, I'm so glad to hear that. You know, even though our cartoons were done, um, we they weren't done in uh, high def. They they were done, uh, you know, in uh, low def, I guess you would say. But when you watch them now. Uh, they look great still, but uh, they weren't done uh, digitally. I mean, they weren't done in a, in a way like now everything is, is so high def and everything is so um, so beautiful on screen. Our stuff looks great and the stories are great. I think the stories transcend no matter what form they're in. As long as the story is good, it'll play. You know, I always said that it doesn't really matter what the show looks like. It's if the characters are good. So that's all that matters to me. Right. And now Timmy is named after your brother, Tim. So yes. that should have been a huge honor for him. Well, he says that it is. I have uh, three brothers, and uh, uh, I named um, uh, Timmy after my after my youngest brother Tim. Uh, I was gonna I was gonna name him after my brother Mike, but he and I had an argument that day. So that <laughs> that, that uh, yeah, he he's not too fond of that story. But I did end up naming a character after my brother Mike. Uh, I have a character in uh, Bunsen is a beast named Mikey, and so I named him Mikey. That that's really got to be funny, you know. You were going to be this uh, 
15-year run character and all of a sudden because of one argument. No, it's going after our little brother now. Oh, I know. I, yeah, I know. I don't, I don't think he's too happy with that story, so I, I don't bring it up very often. Yeah, but your other brother Keith has been neglected altogether because he hasn't been named a, a character at this point. Oh yeah, absolutely. He's uh, he's very upset with me. I, I really I, I I can't believe you brought that up. We're all in big trouble now. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> someday I'll get him in a cartoon as well. Right. And uh, I just realized that you know you had posted the other day on social media that you and your wife have been married for about twenty seven years now. So congratulations in that. Well, oh, I appreciate that. Thank you. Yes, you know, I, um, um, I admire anybody who can get, who can stay married that long, whether you're in Hollywood or not. You know, I, my, my wife and I both come from divorced households, and uh, we're the first couple, couple in our families that have been divorced. My wife's got several sisters, and I've got several brothers, and there's been divorce there. And you know, I, we're just very blessed that we've been able to stay together. It's been challenging, you know. Uh, uh, we have Christ in our life, which is why <laughs> I guarantee that is the reason why we've stayed married. We 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 had to start putting our pride aside going, you know, what would Jesus say about this? Would he want me to call you this name? Would he want me to say these? Would he want you to say these things to me? Right. So we've really had to uh, really, really give ourselves over to a better way of thinking. Right. And the fact that you have a religious foundation as your marriage is, is quite significant, <laughs> especially since it's one of the seven sacraments of the church. Well, we didn't even uh, start that way either. We ended up, uh, we ended up, we, we were both non-Christians when we got married. We didn't want to have kids or we just wanted to be, you know, together, her and I. But we got together going, we're not going to have any kids. And we, then we started having kids. And then we were like, well, we have these children. We want to raise them properly. Uh, oh, I guess good families go to church. And so I went to church thinking it would just be like a routine. I didn't think it would actually change my life. And it actually did. So. Uh, you know, I, I recommend it to anybody if, uh, if you go to the right church, that is. And when did you have your epiphany when it went from being routine to actually being part of your lifestyle and actually had this major impact <laughs> on you? Uh, that was around 1999, yeah, about 20 years ago. And so uh, I've been at this for 20 years and I've uh, tried to apply. Uh, I mean, listen, um, whether you're in the church or not doesn't mean that you're any different than me. It just for me, I ended up uh, wanting to apply some of the principles I've learned or I had been learning to my life. Like I'm going to treat my employees as nice as I possibly can. I'm going to, you know, put as many uplifting messages in my shows as I can instead of trying to tear people down and things like that. I didn't always succeed, but that's what I shot for. You know, so my, my job was to, you know, be the most uplifting person I could be. And like I said, again, I <laughs> didn't always hit it, but tried to. Well, you know, the early church fathers said that uh, the church, you know, the church is a hospital. So, you know, it's uh, it's where we go to be healed. And Jesus told us, well, that, I, yeah. but, uh, you know, yeah, a healthy I, man I've doesn't need it. a physician. So, No, exactly right. I've heard it described also as a laundromat. You go in to get clean. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, you know, you don't go in clean. You go in to get cleaned. And so, you know, you don't bring your clean laundry to the laundromat. So yeah, I've heard it that as well. But um, yeah. But again, you know, it, it's. It's uh, something that's definitely a personal choice, and that's what it comes down to. Right. Would you ever make a faith-based uh, animation feature? Uh, I already have made a faith-based cartoon. Uh, no one's really seen it yet because I haven't put it out yet, but um, it's, uh, it's, it's for kids. It's a preschool thing I've done. It's called The Garden, and uh, it's actually running on a, uh, uh, a channel right now called Gospel Truth TV. I did about six episodes of it. 
And I just wanted to try my hand at what I would do with a Christian cartoon. And I really like it. I think kids would really dig it. It's like a preschool educational thing. Well, that's great. You know, um, I know a lot of the faith-based films typically uh, talk to members that are already within the fold rather than, uh, you know, re, uh, as an outreach. So it's interesting to see when someone that's already been in the arts to do something with it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I, I just something I've always wanted to do. I had the idea a long time ago. And I thought, you know, when I left Nickelodeon, I thought, let me just try this. I've always wanted to do this cartoon. I'm going to make, I'm going to make it work. And so, you know, I had to find the actors, I had to find the producer. You know, I, I, I produced it myself, but I had to find all the production people to help me. And it actually came out great. I built like a little animation team and put them together. And right when I did, uh, I started working with this company called Pocket Watch. And I just used my uh, animation team on this new show I'm doing for them. Wow. See, you're just keeping busy, man. You, you know, you're all over the place. Well, we, I, I, you know what, man, there'll, there'll be a time, uh, when I'm not here anymore. I just want to be able to, to say that I, I used every moment wisely. <laughs> right. Uh, someone was mentioned, I think, uh, Frank Buckley, when he was interviewing, uh, Bob Bergen, uh, they were talking about how, you know, Walt Disney's long, no longer here, but Mickey Mouse still is. Mel Blanc isn't, is no longer here, but Porky Pig and the Looney Tunes characters still are. So you kind of have that mentality going as well. Once Butch is gone, we still have, Timmy and, and Bunsen and everything else that you leave behind as a legacy. I certainly hope so. I just had Bob Bergen on my podcast as well. What a great guy. Yeah. Uh, the, the voice of Porky Pig, a wonderful guy. And, uh, you know, we, well, he's such a joy and we had a, a great time talking. Yeah. And Bob has a great attitude because he's auditioned for Porky about five times. And he said, that yeah, if somebody beats him out. They deserve it. Yeah, that's true. And then the funny thing is he, uh, I'd never heard him do Porky in person. And he starts doing it for me, and I was like, wow, you do deserve to have that voice because that's, that's a hard one to do. But uh, if you listen to the guy, just his determination through life just to do that character, yeah. uh, it's really wild to hear. Uh, and so cool that it paid off. Yeah. Now, have you voiced any of your own characters as well? You know, sometimes you have to step in when somebody isn't there or do background voices. Yeah, I would definitely do voices. Uh, I didn't do a lot. I always like being on the other side of the glass directing, but uh, I did a voice. The main voice I did on Fairly Odd Parents was a character called Rip Studwell, Doctor Rip Studwell. He was the he was a handsome fairy doctor, and uh, he was also a, he was also on a soap opera. And so he's like, oh my gosh, he examined a patient. This is terrible. What am I sick, Doctor Studwell? No, no, my headshot. It came out terribly. You know that sort of thing. So uh, really, but I, I, that was a lot of fun to do. Right. And you had worked with uh, with uh, Seth MacFarlane uh, for um, Family Guy for a little bit. Yeah, I worked with him. Uh, we worked at uh, Hanna-Barbera together when it just became Cartoon Network. We worked on the Johnny Bravo show together. And uh, boy, what a great guy. So talented and uh, so happy for all his success, too. Right. And Seth is, Seth is an atheist and he makes no, no bones about it. Um, some people think that Christians and atheists can't work together or even be on friendly terms. Uh, you guys seem to have already disproven that. Uh, what was it like when he saw your conversion experience? Was he, you know, was there any reaction from him at that point? You know, I got to be honest with you. At that point, we had not really been working together very much. I was making Fairly Odd Parents. He was doing Family Guy. And uh, we sort of uh, were gravitating toward different circles anyway because he was doing primetime animation. I was doing, you know, uh, Nickelodeon, you know, cable animation. And uh, we just I started I started having kids and we we sort of started drifting apart at that point anyway. Not in, not in a friendship way, just like, a, hey, I never see you anymore kind of a way. 
Right. So uh, I really don't know the answer to that. I'm sure he's Seth is a great guy. I'm sure he's fine with me believing what I believe, and uh, you know I I have no problem with whatever he wants to believe. But listen, I just the two of us we've remained friends all this time, and I just think it's exciting to see what he's been able to do. I'm, it's really inspiring. No, I mean he, he's killing it in whatever he's doing. But I I just bring that up because you know so many people think oh well this person is of this religious persuasion, so they don't talk to anybody outside that circle or people that are atheists oh, absolutely detest yeah. religious people and don't want to deal with them. And, you know, if you guys have remained friends through all these years, like I have a lot of atheist friends, we have atheist staff members, and I'm a religious person, but we get along just fine. So it always confuses me when people think that there's no, you know, mutual respect or admiration for each other. Yeah, I would think, yeah, I, I, again, I'm, I'm exactly like you. I think, look, man, if someone doesn't believe what I believe, that's completely fine. It's not my job to... Uh, uh, you know, change them or judge them. My job is just to be the best person I can be, you know, and if uh, if I can be a good example for them, great. And hopefully they can be a good example for me as well. But if we got, we all have a lot, a lot of things to do. We need to be able to get along here. And if, um, you know, the last thing I hate, I mean, the, the thing I hate to see the most are, is judgmental people. I mean, I, I do my best not to be judgmental and uh, hopefully no one will be judgmental toward me as well. Yeah. Well, that's what we can hope for and strive for at least. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What was, it, what was it like after you know fairly odd parents hits? It becomes a big deal at Nickelodeon. You're still this kid from Michigan. I remember you had told me that your dad worked for GM, you know, for most of his life or all his life. Uh, yeah. Go back to Michigan, and now you have this level of success that you know people from smaller towns and blue collar towns weren't necessarily expecting. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, it's funny. I didn't really even um, uh, expect any quote unquote like big success when I came out. Here. I just wanted to get a job and be employed. That's all I wanted to do. And the fact that I was able to do a show that actually people liked. Number well, first of all, I was able to sell a show, but then to uh, keep the show going, maintain the ratings of the show, have many staffs of people over the years. Then do a second show, Danny Phantom, at the same time, just learn and learn and learn. And to have these shows actually be things people like and want to see more of. I mean, that is a true blessing. I mean, I really, really got um, uh, very fortunate to have doing something people wanted to see more of. So I'm internally grateful for that. And, yeah, going back to Michigan, no one's ever – you know, people that I grew up with, you know, no, no one had families in Hollywood or entertainment. No one really knew what to expect. And when you go back – when you do anything on TV – it seems magical. You know, oh, you've got something on TV and that's your name. And oh, my gosh, there you are. You know, people people don't understand. What, it seems really untouchable to them. And uh, when it's just you, the kid they grew up with, you're like, they're like, how did you do that? And then you explain, oh, it took a lot of hard work. I had to move. I had to do this. Um, and a lot of them, you know, it's, it's not the kind of success I grew up around. It's very uh, foreign to people in the Midwest. But it's like, you know, it's like anything. If you work hard. And you believe in what you want to do, uh, you can definitely do it. And your art style is unique. It's very, you know, Butch Hartman style right there. You know, you have your your own stamp on it. How did you develop your style, your style versus, you know, Hanna-Barbera had theirs and Disney has theirs and Warner Brothers and everybody else has their own branding. But your your specific style, how did that come about? Well, I really um started off as an artist who needed to get a job. So I learned how to do a lot of people's styles so I could remain employed, <laughs> you know? It's almost like playing music. If you're a musician, you got to learn how to play this song and this song because you need, you know, you know, people, it is art, but it does come down after a while to like, you know, it's a paycheck. And you're like, well, I want to get paid so I can continue to do this. Um, 
so I, I started off drawing other people's stuff at first. And then as the years went by, uh, I sort of like started doing things on the side. I would draw, you know, let's say, you know, the Hanna-Barbera stuff during the day when I was employed there. And then at night, I go home and work on my own thing. And I it sort of gravitated off of Hanna-Barbera, but then I would put my own little spin on things. And then uh, when opportunities came up to actually pitch my own shows, it was like, wow, I could really maybe take this in and see if anybody likes it, you know. I wonder what that would be like. And so it just came down to me having a style I worked in, which is like the Hanna-Barbera stuff or the TV stuff. But then I'm going to put my own spin on it. And, and kind of make my own look. And then, you know, like Fairly Outparent started off looking one way. It's a little more Hanna-Barbera. But as the years went by, I was able to, you know, modify the style because uh, I was given the luxury of um, having time. You know, things evolve as you have time. If you look at the original Simpsons designs, you know, how crude and, and barbaric they almost look compared to the way they are now. Still the same character designs and everything, but, uh, you know, definitely uh, – uh, they they had the time to um, make those changes and, and evolve into like their own language. Right, and luckily they started off on the Tracy Ullman show as little shorts, so they could change their style by the time they got their own series. Exactly right. Yeah, I, that's wild. The Tracy Ullman show of all shows, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean it's outlasted her show. I mean Tracy was a was a well is a comedic legend, and just the fact that The Simpsons are most remembered and her show is still revered, but to- everyone forgets that that's where they started. I know it's kind of it's so wild, so wild. Now you created your own superhero with Danny Phantom, and Nickelodeon, I assume, still owns the rights to it, but have a working relationship with their sister company, Paramount Pictures. Who would you like to see play a live-action version of Danny Phantom? Oh man, that's a good question, dude. I would. I've been asked that so many uh, times over the years, and it always changes because the available talent is changing. You know. I got to tell you, I don't really know. You know, be a great Danny Phantom uh, is Tom Holland, but he's uh, of course he's Spider-Man now, so we can't get Tom Holland. But uh, someone like that would be perfect. I I'd have to really brush up on who the who the the latest actors are in order to answer that intelligently. I don't mean to sound uncool, but I don't want to insult anybody either. You created three of the biggest Nickelodeon cartoons. No matter what you say, you can't sound uncool. Let's be honest. Oh, that's very kind of you. Yeah. I appreciate that. <laughs> You're too nice to me. <laughs> You've been nothing but nice to me, and I'm I'm being honest with you. You know, I mean, you had the the Nickelodeon afternoon uh, lineup to yourself for a while. Well, hey man, you know, um, it was just an honor to be on with shows like SpongeBob and uh, you know Rocco's Modern Life and uh, Rugrats and all these other shows that were on at the time, Rocket Power, and uh, I'm just I'm just very grateful to have ever had a chance to uh, do what I love every day and get paid for it, and then to have other people be able to see it and actually respond to it in a positive way. I mean, I, I couldn't be more grateful. I couldn't be more uh, appreciative, and I just want to keep doing it as long as I can. Right. Well, we want you to do that for as long as you can. Uh, your YouTube channel is basically you answering questions, you teaching people um, aspects of the business, and just being very open with your audience and your fan base. Uh, how did the YouTube channel come about in that regard? And uh, what's your wife take on all your artistic endeavors? Because, you know, with like voice actors and comedians, people are like, oh, you know, like we talked about Bob. Oh, you're the voice of Porky Pig or Debbie. You're the voice of Jimmy Neutron. Can you do the voice for me? Or if somebody's a comedian, they go, hey, tell me a joke. But with artists, they don't necessarily ask you to draw them a picture instantaneously at a party. So like, how does no. that come about? <laughs> 
my, you know, my YouTube channel started because my daughter Carly was like, Dad, you should go on YouTube. And I thought, well, all right. So we kind of put a camera in my office and I just started talking and looking at the camera. And, um, you know, of course, I looked at the camera. What am I saying? I looked at the camera. And just, I just wanted to start t- telling people what it was like to be in the animation industry. And people actually started responding to it. Uh, you know, and then one of the biggest videos I did was, um, you know, since Nickelodeon hasn't made a brand new Danny Phantom show, I get I get people asking me that all the time. You know, will um, will you make a new Danny Phantom episode? Will you make a new Danny Phantom series or whatever? Uh, and it's so hard to um, to uh, do it because Nickelodeon owns the rights to it, so I can't do it. But I thought, well, I'll just do a video here. I'll call it Danny Phantom Ten Years Later, and I'll just draw the characters what they would look like ten years later. I just did three drawings, and it got like a million views in a week, and people were like really responded well to it. So I thought, oh, there might be something here. So, uh, you know, I started doing more Danny Phantom videos, just me drawing. Hey, here's this, here's this, here's Fairly Odd Parents ten years later, here's Tough Puppy ten years later, and people started actually watching, and I thought, wow, this is kind of cool. So, you know, the subscribers kept going up, and uh, the response kept going, and you know, little, you know, here we are later. You know, this August, it'll be four years, and uh, you know, we're still going pretty strong. We're having a great time. That's fantastic. But please don't get sued by Nickelodeon for copyright infringement. I will do the best I can. We are trying not to. <laughs> I think, you know, as long as I don't use any Nickelodeon footage, I think we're okay. I'm just doing me doing my own designs. I don't think is a big deal. But uh, well, hey, you never know. I, I think they've been pretty cool about it so far. Well, that's good, because I think, didn't John Fogarty get sued for sampling a Clearance Clearwater revival song on one of his uh, solo albums after he left the record label? And then I don't even know. Did he, did, he, did he really? I think that's I don't what even happened know. to him. Yeah, so. No, boy, I don't. Well, listen, I, I, they've been pretty cool so far. I do believe YouTube has fair use rules, but uh, yeah, I've been very careful. You know, we get nailed for copyright stuff on occasion. We'll use... We use a song sometimes. I'm very cognizant of that. I don't, remember, I don't ever want to rip off anybody's material. But sometimes I have editors who will put a song in that they shouldn't put in, and we get nailed for that, so i got to pull that out. So, you know, I've got people that are working for me that I that I have to keep tabs on. So we, we're very uh, as careful as we can be on that stuff. Well, that's the important thing. Uh, is your wife an artist as well, or either of your daughters? No, they're not. They don't draw. The, my one daughter is a worship leader at church. She's an amazing piano player and singer. My other daughter is an amazing uh, social media expert whiz, uh, loves being in business. And uh, my wife is an amazing entrepreneur herself. And uh, she worked in Hollywood for many years. She worked on the Jeopardy show for 14 years. And I actually met her doing stand-up comedy. So there you go. Oh, wow. What was your big routine then? Oh, I just I just got up and told one liners, you know, you know, uh, hey, my name is Butch, but my real name is Elmer. Uh, I looked up the name Elmer. It's a German name. It means please make fun of me my entire life. You know, that sort of stuff. (laughs) Yeah, but that sort of nutty comedy. Hey, you know what? It worked for Rodney Dangerfield for all those years. That's right. I know. If I can only have his career, right? (laughs) Yeah. Two of my favorite Rodney Dangerfield jokes were, God, I ask for so little and you give it to me. Yeah, <laughs> you give it to me. And then the other one was, you know, one year I bought my son a T-shirt. Or I bought my son a BB gun for his birthday. And for Christmas, he bought me a T-shirt with a bullseye on the back. Nah, that's funny. Just, there you go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I obviously don't have Rodney's delivery, but those were two of my favorite jokes from him. No, hey, I, I was I'm laughing over here. Yeah. Oh, my God. 
but it's it's stuff like that. So you've always been in the arts. What do your brothers do? You know, are are they still in the audio in, or the auto industry over in Michigan? Are they in business? In yeah, they 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 have uh, my one brother, older brother. Um, well, the old I'm the oldest, but the one next to me, my brother Mike, he works in production uh, in Michigan doing um, uh, commercials and things. My brother Keith is a uh, uh, county tax assessor for properties and things. And my younger brother Tim, uh, he is like a landscaper, handyman type of a guy. They all uh, enjoy their lives back there, so they're doing great. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, you yeah. Touched, you touched upon your name being Elmer. Um, Wikipedia, fact or fiction, you're the fourth Elmer in the family. I am. You've done your homework. I'm Elmer Earl Hartman the fourth. Uh, believe it or not, there's actually three other ones who have all since passed away. I'm but sorry, uh, yeah, my, oh, that's okay. Yeah. No, my my father passed away. Gosh, 2012. It's been can't believe what's that? Seven years now. Yeah. Uh, seven years ago. But yeah, he was the last one to pass away. But yeah, I'm I'm the last remaining one at the moment. Well, you know, it's not too late to have more kids, apparently. Well, let's wait on that. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying a little bit of freedom right now. As your wife curses my existence when she hears this. Yeah, yeah, dude, yeah. Let's just keep this between us, all right? Right. Yeah. What's it like being the fourth in secession? Well, uh, I didn't meet the first two, and then it was just me and my dad. So I, I grew up with my dad. But, uh, yeah, the other, the other two I never really met. So uh, hard to say, hard to yeah. say. Because, you know, I mean, being the fourth, you know, usually it's people – uh, of great means that that have that lineage to keep everything in the trust, so they don't have to change the name on the trust. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, there there was no Hartman Trust, so that was the easy part. So <laughs> nothing happened there. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. You're the eldest of four boys. You said your wife had three sisters as well, or four sisters. My wife had uh, two sisters. My wife is the uh, uh, youngest of three, and uh, her other sisters are doing great. And, uh, yeah, so we come from – we each have multiple siblings in our family. You guys were almost seven brides for seven brothers at this point. No kidding, dude. Yeah, no. I have two daughters, and uh, they're they're not married yet, and that's fine. They're 21 and 23, but they are uh, doing just fine, and uh, I love. I had, we had a great time raising them up. That was my job as a father. I still raise them every day. I mean, uh, they they still come to me for advice and things, which is wonderful. I mean, being a dad is probably the greatest job in the world, and uh, you know, I've had a lot of people say that my cartoons have helped get them through their childhood, and I don't ever ever take that for granted or take it lightly. It's a wonderful thing to have said about you, you know. Wow, that's fantastic. Uh, how do you find the balance at the time because they were so young between fatherhood? And oh, I had, I had a one. Yeah, yeah, I had a wonderful wife who, uh, you know, she was home with my kids all the time. So her job was a housewife, and uh, she had no no problem with that. She was very proud to be a housewife. And uh, I'm very proud to have her as a housewife. And she, I'll tell you, when I say a housewife, that's just a term I use because she was home and she was my wife raising the kids. Her job was probably three times as hard as my job. But, uh, you know, uh, she was all over my girls as far as who they were with, what school they went to, um, you know, what they were doing in school and things like that. So it's all about parenting. We really uh, try to be as good a parents as we could. Right. And then sometimes your job was coming home and know which one to yell at, which one to uh, help. Who do I yell at first? Uh, who am I yelling at now? Exactly. <laughs> who did what wrong where? <laughs> who did what wrong? Show me which one is the wrong one. Exactly. Yeah. But that that makes it fun. And then for your daughters, it obviously had to be great when when dad came to uh, what was it, career day and be like, oh, dad draws <laughs> cartoons for a living and things of that sort. Oh, big time, dude. It was a blast. I ended up uh, having a great time. 
And, uh, you know, I, I get to go and do, you know, like you said, draw cartoons for the kids. And, you know, you walk in after a fireman who's awesome. But when I draw a cartoon, the kids, they suddenly start paying more attention. I'm like, what the heck? Right. Uh, yeah. And the know. fireman's like, this guy draws cartoons and I sit here and run through burning buildings. What's going on? No, I know. They're, no, they're far more important than I am. <laughs> believe me. I'm, uh, but I, I, when you can draw, when you can draw Spider-Man real fast, for some reason, they think uh, that's pretty amazing. Right. Would you like to do your own comic book at some point as well, since that industry is still thriving? I actually have a comic book that I wrote. Uh, I didn't draw it. I didn't have time to draw it, but I have a comic book I created with a friend of mine. Uh, it's called The Three O'Clock Club, and it's about uh, five kids in a school where something weird happens every day at three o'clock. Okay. And they have to defend against whatever. There's like a portal will open over the school and weird things come out of it. Uh, whatever the kids are anxious about, something comes. Like, for example, there's a test on dinosaurs. Dinosaurs come out of the portal. And these kids, they have ancient weapons and they have to defend against whatever threat comes out of the portal. Nice. Uh, any inspiration from Michael Landon's uh, I Was a Teenage Werewolf? Where one no, thing well, wow, wow. You are, you are dating yourself, my friend. No. I, I like uh, old movies. So. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. God, that, boy, I haven't seen that one in a long time. I was a teenage werewolf. And I got, oh, I, I loved that when I was a kid. It was actually kind of scary. Yeah. Yeah, because what was it? Uh, it was either at lunch or uh, at the school bell. Anytime the school bell rang, he turned into a werewolf. Oh, gosh, that's so funny. <laughs> that was Michael Lane. I know. I'm, how weird is that? Yeah, all before Bonanza and Highway to Heaven. Yep, absolutely. And Little House in the Prairie. Don't forget yeah. that one. Well, that lasted, what, 12 years, 13 years? Oh, yeah, that was a big one. Yes, yeah. sir. And now Simpsons are going on 33 years at this point. I guess that's pretty amazing to me, man. Yeah, I've, that's some that's just astounding. But you had more more than a decade with with uh, Fairly Odd Parents, and then Danny Phantom ran for four seasons, and then I think Bunsen <coughs> ran for two seasons, three seasons. Yeah, and then friend uh, Tough Puppy ran about three seasons. Yeah, I have nothing to complain about. Yeah. I'm very, very blessed and fortunate. I, everything I've ever done has been a blast and a joy to work on with some great people, and I, I can't wait to do it again. You're like the animation version of uh, Donald Belisario. You know, he's Magnum ran <laughs> 10 years, NCIS is going 15 years, and, and so on and so forth. Awesome. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, you know, Butch, you're doing all this stuff. You decided, you know, you left Nickelodeon, uh, I assume on your own terms. We're not going to get into the details because there could be NDAs or whatever else. But you leave Nickelodeon and you decide to go out on your own. Um, how do you finally come to this decision to leave uh, a place where you've been for nearly two decades and to start your own streaming service and now services? <laughs> And just be out there by yourself and your own uh, network executive instead of uh, work for hire. Well, that's a very good question. You know, it's something that we don't take lightly. We uh, it was not an easy decision to make. I mean, having been somewhere for that long for 20 years, you realize that, uh, you know, I could stay here. But sometimes, you know, it's either it kind of gets mutual sometimes like, well, we've been here a long time. Can we really do anything else with Butch? Um you know, we want to get new people in here. You, you sort of see the writing on the wall in a way. Not that it was getting that way, but you're like, you know, I kind of want to go out on top. I want to do my own thing. I, I've i learned a lot here. I mean, how much more can I really do here? This isn't something I, I, I don't think I can see myself doing another, you know, you know, cartoon here at one place for the next 20 years. If we, if we're even buying cartoons that last 20 years anymore, you know, they, I don't, they're really even doing that. A lot of networks aren't even, they're building, they're buying shows that last three, four years tops. 
Um, but over the years, I've always, I always wanted to do my own thing. You know, I saw things in Hollywood that I thought, oh, I could fix this or change this, or maybe I could have a new way of doing this on my own. Uh, I've always wanted to be kind of the captain of a fleet of ships as opposed to just one. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, my wife and I spoke about it and we're like, you know, I think we can do this ourselves. And, you know, of course, we need a ton of help and a ton of support. Uh, we, you know, uh, this is something that through a lot of prayer, and I'll be very honest with you, we prayed a lot about this. It's like, you know, should we really do this? Is this something we really need to do? Because the easiest thing would have been to go to Disney or another network and just sell another show, you know, and um, which I can still do. But just some, there's something about starting your own network, your own service that you can sort of call the shots and, and really put out there what you feel uh, kids and families would really like to see. And I'm not saying anybody else is doing it wrong. I just think we could do it uh, just as well. And so that's what we're, that's what we're going to go do. Right. And just put your own little spin on it and give it its own flavor. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and this is a, I, Hey, look, I've, if I can even be considered with, uh, you know, awesome giants of the business like Netflix or, or Hulu or Amazon or even Disney plus now, listen, I know there's huge competition. We're not saying we're even going to be noticed probably, but the fact that we can get out there and, and give people an option, that's all I want to do. Well, I mean, on top of creating your own streaming services, you have a charity as well, and you've built yep. schools and fed people and done all sorts of things with that. Can you talk? Can you elaborate a little bit on the charity? Well, thanks for asking. Uh, it's called Hartman House, and uh, Hartman House is a five hundred one c three corporation that uh, corporation a foundation that my wife and I have. Uh, we started in two thousand five, and uh, we basically help people. We help people and organizations. Uh, who need it? If uh, somebody's funding for an orphanage, we're there. If someone needs to build a house, if we can afford to help them, we're there. If someone uh, wants to, uh, you know, have a, a scholarship a kid into a school, we're there. We we look it over. We have a board that uh, goes over things, makes decisions, and uh, you know, if we can uh, if we can help in any small way, that's what we're here for. Well, that's fantastic. You know, and you so you've been doing this since 2005. So wow, yep, you know, uh, eight years now. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Actually, that's about, it's 14 years now. Yeah, 14 years. I'm yeah. sorry. You see how time flies? Yeah, you, math, even, you can't even do you, math anymore. I, I know the math is amazing. Yeah, it's been 14, <laughs> actually, 14. When you said eight years, I went, wait, that, no, I, no, what? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, it's been 14 years. Yeah, 14 years. But, oh, uh, yeah, God. we, yeah, dude, we've had a great time. And, uh, this you know, we able to help. You don't anybody. have breakfast in the morning. <laughs> I know. Come on, dude. Come on. Most important meal of the day. Don't you know that? You know, well, this was more important than breakfast. Talking to you today. Oh, that's what well, Butch Hartman. He's more important than <laughs> breakfast. That's all we care about. Yeah. See, and, and I had told you before, and I'm still envious that you still have all your hair, and you got. Oh, thank with you. That, I, so I I appreciate. It. Well, listen, I've been very fortunate in that area. But think of all the money you're saving on shampoo. Just think of that. This is true, but the money I'm spending on razors is totally different. Yeah, yeah I know exactly. <laughs> So it's six of one, half a dozen of the other. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, Butch, uh, you were recently in the Bay Area. I, I know you can't elaborate too much on that because of, of things going going forward. But you said there were some sort of negotiations going on or some sort of pitch meetings. What was it? You know, what's it like to now pitch yourself and the entire streaming services rather than just one show? It's like, well, if Nick doesn't like it, Disney XD will pick it up, and if Disney doesn't like it, I'll pitch it to Cartoon Network. Right, right, right. So, yeah, pitching a streaming service is a whole different thing. Um, I was actually in the Bay Area because of my YouTube channel. Uh, they're, they're, 
they're calling me a YouTube influencer now. So I get to go do, uh, you know, YouTube events and, and, and potential YouTube, uh, uh, partnerships and things like that. I can't talk about we, what we, what I was up there for, but I'd love to in the future, but it was a very cool, very unique opportunity with a unique product line. And, uh, when it, when it is able to be talked about, I'll definitely let you know. It'll be a lot of fun. Awesome. And then, you know, the Hartman phone is going to come out in like six months at some point. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. The Butch phone. Yeah. How did That'd you get so cool. Butch, by the way? Oh, when I was a kid, uh, well, my dad's name is Elmer as well. My dad named me Elmer and my mom was not going to call me that. So she uh, uh, said, what nickname can we give him? And my dad's nickname was Butch when he was a kid. And so uh, he nicknamed me Butch, and I was called Butch at home, and I was called uh, Elmer at school. And so then I finally asked everybody at school, when I changed schools, hey, could you guys please call me Butch? <laughs> and so that's kind of where that stuck. Right. And uh, so it's kind of my professional name, yeah, you know. Right. And it's easier on, on the passport to have your given name so people can't find you. Uh... <laughs> exactly, right. <laughs> yeah. Um you know, you get to do conventions, you get to do these speaking engagements. Is it still surreal after all this time where someone who's now a little bit older than your daughter, let's say 27 years old, comes to you and goes, you were a big part of my childhood? It's very surreal. In fact, it happens uh, all the time. It happened at the mall the other day. I was just kind of sitting there waiting for my wife. I was sitting on my phone at a table, just kind of hanging out. And um the, uh, this guy next to me goes, hey, can I bother you for a second? I said, sure. He goes, are you Butch Hartman? I said, yeah. He goes, I want to let you know you really affected my childhood. I want to thank you so much. And he just shook my hand. And, then, you know, it, it, blow, it really, truly blows your mind. You, you really don't know what to say. You're like, thank you so much. I, you know, because, you know, when I, I worked on these shows, it wasn't just me. I had an amazing staff of people. You know, I, I'd love to take all the credit. I just can't. But uh, my name was on the show. So I guess people think it. You know, anyway, it was my show. But, I mean. Uh, it's very kind of people to say that, and I really do appreciate that. But people also forget that there's also 40 other animators there with you, but because you're the showrunner. Well, you yeah, well, well, that's Hollywood. I mean, that's the one thing is your name is on the credit. So you're like, well, you know, um, um, <laughs> my, my name's on the credit. So that, that's the name that goes down in history, I guess. But that's very sweet of these people to even say that, to acknowledge that's so nice of them. Well, it's fantastic. And it, I like the fact that you actually share the credit with your staff because some people don't go that far. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, no, I had some amazing people working with me and for me. And, uh, you know, um, I still do now to this day. So uh, hats off to them for sure, you know. And now launching your your own streaming service. How do you go about finding new talent? Do you go back to Cal Arts and check out what they're doing? Do you go to Cal State LA or UCLA or? Uh, yeah, you definitely put, you de yeah, you definitely put the word out. You see, uh, you know, if I tweet, hey, I'm looking for animators, I get a ton of responses. You know, so social media has made it a lot easier to find people. And so, um, you know, that, that's been uh, a huge, huge uh, asset. But, yeah, it's just maintaining uh, um, relationships with people and finding young talent is, is easier than ever these days. It's great. And so uh, I'm constantly on the lookout for people that can help and do amazing work. Uh, last time we spoke, we talked about, you know, most artists being introverts and some of us being too scared to share our work or show it. How do we break out of that shell? Because you're, you're a bit more extroverted than some of the other artists out there. Um, you know, so how do we sit there and like just let loose and go here and put ourselves out there? Because art is still very personal and it's like putting our soul, whether it's on the written page or pen and pencil or digital or whatever. 
It's a very good question. Um, you know, like you said, a lot of people are very introverted. Um, there's not really a cure for that other than the fact you have to want to not be that way. You have to want to, if you want more as far, not that you can have, not that you can't have more as, as a, a quiet person, but if you want to be, you know, um, I guess if you want to have things that where you, where you actually can communicate with people and, you know, maybe be in front of the camera, it's just a matter of having the confidence and, and maybe putting those fears aside and stepping out just to see what it would be like. You can always go back if you don't like it, but I encourage people, especially artists who are storytellers, because every artist is a storyteller. It's like, you guys, you really have a chance here to, uh, to, you know, to, to reach more people if, if you want to step out and maybe say some things as opposed to just being behind your desk all the time. You know, I encourage artists because you can really tell a great story if uh, you have the you have the courage to get out and tell it. A lot of artists will just work on other people's shows. Nothing wrong with that. No shame in it at all. But uh, you will get. I think you'll get more out of your career if you do uh, summon the courage to maybe get out of your shell. You know, take a risk, pitch a show as opposed to just working on somebody else's show, and just see what you can do. It really gives you a lot more opportunity. Right. Yeah, because last time we spoke, I told you I was getting into voice acting, and I love the notion that I could just sit in my closet and record these auditions, and I don't even have to get out of my pajamas. So some of that makes it a lot easier for me. Exactly, exactly. So yes, and uh, I, I encourage you to uh, you know uh, dress in some normal clothes, but still uh, you can uh, definitely. But that's great though, because you know you're, you're uh, you know you want to get into voiceover. So how do you do that? You got to do it yourself at first. Start off doing it, make make a reel so people know that you can do it. Get out there and speak and let people hear what you're all about. You know. Right, and then finally have to put on some real pants before I leave the house. Exactly. Well, <laughs> well, that'd be nice. Yeah, that that'd be good. Any type of any sort of covering would be great. Yeah, yes, you know, a little more I mean, than the a world, the world, more appropriate. The world, <laughs> the world would appreciate it. Yeah, <laughs> Butch, uh, I thank you so much again for your time and reconnecting today. Uh, where can we find you on social media? Because we got to reach out to you, and hopefully, some uh, young artist is out there and eager to meet you, and is now willing to put themselves out to do so. Oh, that's very kind, man. Hey, you can find me on Facebook, uh, just Butch Hartman. You can find me on uh, Twitter at Real Hartman. Uh, someone took the Butch Hartman name before I could get to it. I can't get it back. It's so weird. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Butch Hartman, and uh, I'm pretty much all over the place. Uh, just keep looking. You'll find me somewhere. And YouTube at uh, Butch Hartman uh, YouTube channel. Perfect. And now, when's the next episode drop on YouTube so we can uh, let people know what's coming? It should be dropping uh, next week, um, and uh, I'll let you guys know. Uh, of course, I'll notify you. And also, you can listen to my podcast, Speech Bubble. We have a YouTube channel for that, and we do audio on that every week. And so that will be out this week as well. So check all that stuff out. Awesome. Butch Hartman, again, thank you so much for your time. God bless you and your family, and I can't wait to see what's coming with, with Noog and, uh, and your new uh, – I'm sorry, one more time. It's not – it's a combination of Oasis and Axis, so Oasis. That's right. Oasis, that's it, right. my friend. Yep, Oasis, and that's, that's a ways out, but uh, still, we're, we're definitely moving moving forward on that in a big way. So thank you for asking. Perfect. Thank you so much. Good luck with the charity at Hartman House. Hopefully you continue to do some great work with that, and we will definitely be talking soon. All right, bro. Thank you, man. Have a great day. Thanks, everybody.